My name is Tobias. I'm an alcoholic. Um, thank you so much, Christina, for inviting me to speak. And uh, I'm forever grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous. Thank you, Steve, for the introduction. Uh, birthday to all the birthday people. <laughs> this thing won't move back. There we go. All right, cool. Um, welcome to the newcomers. Um, you are the most important people in the room. And... Uh, I'm truly grateful that Alcoholics Anonymous wrapped its arms around me when I got here. No love for myself, no understanding of what love was, self-esteem burnt, scared of my own shadow. Because when I looked at it, I wanted to vomit from the person I'd become from drugs and alcohol. Right. Alcoholics Anonymous came in warm and, and wrapped its warm arms around me. Told me, keep coming back when I wasn't welcome anywhere. Right. Told me, hey, you want to know what? I'm proud of you and I love you. Well, I hadn't heard that a whole lot in my life. You know, being told that they were proud of me for showing up to a room high, <laughs> drunk, right? I couldn't believe it. Program of attraction, right? We got our chick, chip dick up here, right? And I'm looking, right? And freaking, it's just a line of ladies comes up, you know what I mean, right? It's like three guys, right? You know? Ooh, he's handsome. Anyways, let me qualify real quick, right? Um, Ten hospitalizations for overdose, 21 felonies, 13 misdemeanors, five DUIs, seven years in the prison system, YA, wilderness programs, you name it. Some of my arrests are aggra aggravated assault, distribution, transportation, sales, street terrorism, three assault on police officers, two GBIs. Must I go on? How did I get here, right? So I'm going to do my very best to follow the format, which means I'm not going to curse. Um, if I do, just laugh, all right? Um, anyways, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I want to respect every room, right, and every meeting's rules. Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to speak all over the nation to kids, and to rooms like this. Um, so I grew up in San Clemente and raised, right? I was a young kid, and uh, I was a problem looking for a solution ever since I was born. Right? Um, I had trouble in school. I had a learning disability called dyslexia, and it was very challenging for me to read and write. I was made fun of, teased, ridiculed over these classes that I took, right? I used to go into these classrooms, they were called RSP, right? Reading Comprehension. I'm not sure exactly what those letters stand for, right? Because every time I walked out of those classrooms, they called me a retarded, stupid person. Right? It's okay to laugh, you know? Yeah, that was my reality, right? And I believed it. I thought I was a retarded, stupid person, right? So no bother in trying to learn and read or write. Just figure out a way around it, right? I got very angry. I fought a lot, right? I got into a ton of fights. Um, I wasn't sure what to do. I remember the look on my parents' face when I got diagnosed with dyslexia, right? It was, it if, it was as if someone had died, right? And I felt it. I felt the pain and anguish of their disappointment, right? All over their face, clear disappointment. I remember the principal's words very clearly. She said, this man will never be able to be out of your house. 
the chances of him getting a job besides anything as a handy helper in McDonald's is unlikely. That was my faith. In the second grade, I wasn't sure what a handy helper at McDonald's was, but <laughs> I could clearly see on their face it wasn't good, right? <laughs> if you are a handy helper at McDonald's, I do apologize. <laughs> Anyways, I'm up here being real, right? And, uh, and I love what I do, okay? So um, as I developed, I developed more anger, more frustration, right? More guilt, more shame, more fear, right, for the things that I couldn't do. I never focused on the positive things in my life. I always focused on the negative. I was born in an abusive household. I was beaten at school, and I was beaten at home for getting beat up at school, right? I felt what I was worth was a beating all of the time. I didn't understand what I had done wrong, but I knew I was wrong. That was my outlook, right? If right was my sister who wasn't getting beat, then wrong was me, getting beat constantly. I didn't understand that my part in it didn't always mean that I had to take responsibility. It was a powerful message that Alcoholics Anonymous showed me to where I can forgive people no matter what. There's a lot of wrong shit and a lot of trauma, a lot of wrong stuff. And a lot of trauma that happens, that gets us here, right? My life was full of it, right? I was so used to playing the victim, blaming, pointing the finger, that I made an art out of it. It was their fault. It was the cop's fault. It was my parents' fault. It was the way I was brought up, right? I had an excuse for everything. So anyways, at about 10, 11 years old, right, I seen these kids, okay? They were smoking cigarettes, right? So when I was younger, I had dreams and goals, just like everybody does. My dreams and goals were to be a dirt biker, professional dirt biker, surfer, skater, right? Maybe a professional soccer player, volleyball player, something professional, right? You know, Getting paid doing something fun, that sounded good to me, right? And so I put in a lot of hard work to accomplish my dreams and my goals, because that's what it takes, right? Now, I was very successful in sports and did phenomenally well, right? All of a sudden, it switched. This is something that I talk to kids about all the time, right? All of a sudden, my ambitions switched, right? I no longer wanted to be a professional. I just wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be made fun of. I just wanted to be accepted. Whatever it took, I didn't care, right? Just like me, I am begging and starving for attention. Positive or negative, didn't matter to me. Just give me attention, right? So what I ended up finding out, right, was that the cool kid, we're smoking cigarettes, right? They were at the park, and they were skateboarding, right? And they had some cigarettes. And so I told my buddy, I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to go bum a cigarette. Right? He's like, don't do that. And I'm going to do it, right? You guys remember how it was, right? I was nervous. I walked up, right? I'm like, hey, man, let me get a cigarette, right? He's like, all right. I'm like, light this thing for me, right? You know? Let it. Choked. Got dizzy. Right? Smoked the whole thing like I was tough. Right? Got dizzy, threw up, walked home. Mom met me. So we had this laundry machine, right, that was through the garage. Mom was always doing laundry. Anyways, I walked in there. She grabbed my mouth, right, and put her nose right to it. She goes, you been smoking cigarettes? I'm like, yeah, you know, right? 
I wasn't a good liar back then, right? I developed that over a period of time. Anyways, got a beaten, right? Found alcohol, right? Drank about a 12-pack the first time I drank, right? And, uh, oh, yeah, right? I was laughing hysterically, walked in the house, right? Once again, that laundry room. What are you doing, right? Have you been drinking? Yep. Right? I had this overwhelming sensation of calmness come over me. All of a sudden, all the problems, all the anxiety, all the guilt and the shame, it was gone. Right? I felt okay for the first time in my life. It was all going to be all right, right? And then when the beating came, it didn't even hurt. Right? I was like, I get used to this, right? And so off I was on my journey. Because I lived in an abusive household, I was a habitual runaway at 13 years old, right? I'd run away for two, three months at a time. My dad was a large CEO in one of the largest medical companies in the world, right? And so he was never home, traveling five continents every six weeks, right? Every six weeks he came home for maybe a weekend, right? So the person I had to deal with was my mom. Now she was frustrated and confused and angry at my father, and she took it out on me. Alcoholics Anonymous allowed me those realizations because I always thought it was me, right? So what ended up happening, right, is at about 15 years old, I was a phenomenal volleyball player, still couldn't read, couldn't write, but I was really good at sports, and so I skated by, right? You guys remember popcorn reading? Oh, this was the most nerve-wracking thing in my life, right? There you go. Popcorn Tobias, right? Today, Junior, right? You know what I mean? Oh, it was miserable, right? And then I would make it through one sentence. The teacher would have mercy on me. They'd pass it to somebody else, and then that next person would be like, ha, 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 popcorn Tobias, right? And I was like, oh, my God, right? You guys know how that is, right? Kids are mean, messed up, right? Oh, I had such anxiety, right? So anyways, I found marijuana, right? I, I, you know, I found some things to calm down that anxiety, right? And then pretty soon, hey, you want to know what? All of a sudden, what ended up coming was this dude, he hit me up. He's like, hey, man, I can give you these two ounces of bud, right? You think you get rid of them in a day? I need $550. I said, I'm your man, all right? Next day, I brought him $550. Then he handed me a quarter pound, right? Hand him the money the next day, right? Then he handed me two pounds. Hand him the money the next day, right? And I was off and running. Boom. But what ended up happening is at 16 years old, I got expelled for excessive violence. I gave a guy 35 stitches in his head and 14 staples in the back of his dome. And uh, they expelled me from the district, right? At the same time that they expelled me from the district, I also had some felonies that I was dealing with, such as selling drugs and uh, also um, grand theft, right? Um... I did a lot of reckless things in my younger years, and my parents didn't know what to do, so they signed me over to the state, right? Well, it was a real awakening when all of a sudden I'm signed over to the state, and the state doesn't know what to do with me because I can't go to school anywhere, and so they throw me in California Youth Authority, YA, kid prison, right? Well, it ranges from 15 to 25 in there. It is the most scary pla scariest place I have ever been in my life, all right? Raping, stabbings, constant gang beatings on a day-to-day -day basis. They call it gladiator school. 
right? That's where I grew up. I had no idea what I was in for, and once I got there, it was scary. I'm wondering how this kid who grew up in San Clemente surfing and skating somehow ended up in this place. What was I to do? Well, the courts actually gave me an opportunity to go to another program. It was out in Utah. They said, oh, yeah, they got a football team and a soccer team, you know, a boxing team, right? You can go there and go to school and become educated. It's like, dude, sign me up anywhere. Get me out of here, right? Anyways, I got there. It was a wilderness program. At 17 and a half, it got shut down for child abduction and child abuse. It was no better. It was actually much worse, right? They killed two kids out there for having them dig six-foot holes in the rain and then leaving them to drown. I got out, had no family. My friends, I mean, they wondered where the hell I went. You know, I just disappeared. My friends actually made up a story that I had died. So when I came back, everyone was like, oh, my God, you're still alive, right? Good friends I chose, right? Anything to get a rise out of people. So, anyways, at 17, I went back to juvenile hall. When I went to juvenile hall, I did my time till I was 18 years old. At 18, they gave me an option, right? They said, you can either go into jail for six months and terminate your juvenile probation, or you can go ahead and continue your felony probation as an adult. Any of you that have been on probation, I'll take the six months, right? Sign me up. When I got into jail, right, I learned. Lessons, valuable lessons that have carried me through till today. I don't learn anything the easy way. I'm not somebody that can watch somebody else do something. I'm like, I'm never going to do that, right? No, I'm the dude that's like, well, they suck at doing it. I can do it much better, right? That's my reality, right? Suffered great consequences because of it, right? So... Anyways, I'm in jail, right, and I'm 18. I'm sitting on my bunk, right, and as I'm sitting on my bunk, this is, by the way, this is one of the first times I remember God really humbling me, right? I'm sitting on my bunk in my boxers, right? And the rep at the time, he comes up and he's like, hey, youngster, go ahead and get in full jail issue, right? Oh, my God, I don't think so, bro. It's hot. It's off, right? He's like, all right, I'll be back for you. So he comes back, and he's like, hey, man, now you're going to clean the toilets, and I need you to get in full jail issue. Full jail issue is like, you know, like uh, how uncomfortable I am in this button-up, right? It's like, uh, it's like this, right? So anyways, um, I'm like, I don't think so, bro. Get out of here, right? And I'd already done kid prison, and so a fight was no big deal. I was like, man, this dude's tripping, right? He gets three du big dudes, right? They beat me senseless inside the shower there, right? And then he said, now you can clean the bathroom. I'm scrubbing those toilets, sniffling, go, oh, my God, they're so mean in here, right? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden I realized, right, you ain't no better than anyone. And if someone asks you to do something like clean a toilet, man, get off your ass and clean a toilet. Excuse my language. Get off your butt and clean a toilet. Right, so anyways, right, when I get out of jail, right, I'm 18 and a half years old, I have... No job experience. I've never interviewed for a job. I'm illiterate, okay, so I'm not educated. I dropped out when I was 15 years old. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no family. I have no life skills whatsoever. Cooking? Nah. 
right? McDonald's dollar menu, maybe, you know? Okay, so what am I going to do, right? So I call up this dude who I originally was selling drugs for, and I'm like, hey, man, I need to make some money, right? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm out on my own. I have no family, and I don't know how to do anything besides sell drugs. And he said, all right, cool. He's like, there's an RV parked up in Humboldt. It's got 500 pounds in it. I'm going to give you a bus ticket. You go ahead and pick up that RV. You drive it back down to Orange County. You get rid of that 500 pounds. You have one month, right? I need $1.1 million back from that money, right, from, from that uh, 500 pounds, okay? And, uh, um, and you're off and running. There will be an RV parked there every single month. So I took the bus down, right? This is my opportunity. I'm not about to pass it up, right? So I drive down there, right? Pick up this RV, and I'm off and running, okay? For the next seven years, six years, that's what I did, right? At 22 years old, Oxycontin came on the market, all right? I saw my gold rush. I made anywhere from fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars a month at that age. I owned three clothing lines, two head shops, a five-bedroom house, a foothill ranch, all the toys you could ever imagine, motorcycles, jet skis, right? I had it all. Right? At the time the computer systems weren't all on the same uh, the pharmacies weren't all on the same computer system, so you could see a doctor. Right? And then you could see another doctor, and as long as you went to Rite Aid and Walgreens, right, they could prescribe you the same amount of pills, and they would have no idea that you were seeing 10 doctors a month. Right? And so after I decided that, hey, you want to know what? These doctors are drug dealers, and so am I. Let's build a relationship. Right? And so pretty soon I had 10 people seeing 10 doctors a month, and I was rolling. Right? At 24 years old, cops kicked in my door. 3,280 milligram Oxycontins, 2,000 Xanax, 9 ounces of hash oil, 75 pounds of weed, $125,000 cash, and three unregistered guns. Bye-bye. Everything I paid for cash in my life was taken from me. My house was taken from me. Both my businesses were taken from me. Everything was gone, right? Oh, and my beautiful fiance that I love so much, yeah, she was gone too. She said, I can't believe you. I said, what I was doing paid for your schooling. What are you talking about? You knew, right? But I never knew you were going to get caught. That's way worse than a Dear John letter, right? You know, I asked her for a picture when I was in there. Hey, you know, can I get one little picture of you, you know? She's like, no, my face does not belong anywhere in that place. Alone, scared, once again, right? So I did the only thing that I thought I could do, right? Became an affiliated gang member. Now, I was an active, active member inside the prison system. I bought into that lifestyle 100% of the time. All right, because if you stood in my way, right, I was selfish and self-centered at the core. I was going to bowl you over. No matter what, I was going to get what I had coming. 
I would hurt you. I would torture you. I would use you. I would abuse you. I would lie to you. I would manipulate you. That was me. That's what I had become. And when I got out, I had become a much more advanced convict. I was going to do stuff right this time. Every time I tried to build my empire, they came crashing down on me for little things. They never found me with any drugs ever again. Right? But they locked me up for assaults, anything to get me off of the streets. Right? Eventually, those gifts of time that I had away from drugs and alcohol in prison, I was truly grateful for. Some amazing stuff happened while I was in prison, right? I learned how to read and write. My mother had been writing me letters for five years straight every single week. Okay? My mother, who I despised and hated, who would beaten me in my young adult life for most of my life, showed her commitment and dedication to me when I was locked up in prison. She showed me her undying love for a son that was a troublemaker her whole life. I didn't understand until I saw that level of commitment. Now, I couldn't read the letters that she had written me, and I couldn't write her back, so what am I going to do? And I didn't want convicts reading the personal letters that my mom wrote me about Jesus, right, <laughs> to me, because we did that a couple times, and... and uh, I clearly found out that that wasn't it, right? So I needed to learn how to read. So while I was on the floor in California, right, 23-hour lockdown, four days a week, 24-hour lockdown, three days a week, I had a guy in a cell next to me. His name was Lee. He was reading these large books, right, 900-page Stephen King books, right? They were fascinating. He would sit and tell me these stories from the cell next to me, right, about all this cool stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know, books kind of sound like movies, you know? They seem pretty cool, you know, like uh, maybe I should learn how to read. So he handed me a little 200-page book, right? And he's like, all right, man, I got a dictionary in my cell. If you don't know a word, I want you to yell it out to me. I'll write, you go ahead and write it on your wall in the definition, right? So I started doing that, right? I'm reading word, right, and I got no clue what they are. I'm writing them on my wall. I'm writing the definition. Well, we went to chow three times a day for 15 minutes. Now, we use those words that I had learned that day in sentences while we were at Chow. And he made sure that those were the only words that we used. So I had a clear definition of what they meant. By the time I left there, after 36 months, my walls were covered with words. I had read all my mom's letters. I had written her back. Those were the first letters I wrote every time I got them. Right? chicken scratch writing and she loved them she still has every single one of them in a box right so i get out right june 10th 2013 okay i haven't seen my family probably seven years i've never been to a christmas a birthday new year's thanksgiving Right, any of that stuff, right? Seven years. So they invite me to Christmas. Now I got to check with my high control gang terms uh, parole officer if it's all right if I go to Utah to see my sister and her four kids. Right? 
while I'm in prison, the coolest thing happened ever. So my sister, she has three boys, right? Boys are cool, right? Easy, right? Well, when I was in there, she had a little girl. By the time I got out, this little girl was four years old. Her name's Lula, okay? She drew me little pictures, right? Wrote me little love notes, right? Now, I loved this little girl. Loved her to death, but I never met her, right? And I was so excited to go and be present in her life, to be an uncle. So I fly out to Utah. It's, I got five minutes. Sorry, I thought I had a lot longer. I guess I'll finish with this story. I fly out to Utah when I get out to Utah, right? I don't have any Christmas presents for my family, right? And so Utah Airport is covered with snowboard bags, right? So anyways, right, I'm like, hey, man, my family needs presents. Bam, I grab three snowboard bags from that airport, right? Because after all, I'm a scumbag. That's all I know. Right? So I throw them in the truck, right? And we go out there, okay? When we get to their house, right, I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm here. I got you guys presents. My buddy's sponsored by a snowboard company, right? You know, and, and, and uh, he gave me these, these for you guys, right? Okay, cool. Christmas was a nightmare because when they opened it up, there was clothes from a whole lot of people that I didn't know, right? Bras, panties, you name it, right? You know what I mean? What's this, right? Yeah. Awkward, didn't go over well. Anyways, I get to the house. When I get to the house, right, here's this four-year-old little baby, right? And I'm like, hey, hey, baby, how are you? I love you. Come here. Come here. She runs to her mom's leg, right? At the time, I'm 265 pounds, tattooed from head to toe, right? I have a hardened heart like a freaking criminal, and she knows it. Kids are very sensitive to this type of thing, right? They can identify who's safe and who isn't, and I was clearly unsafe. So for seven days, I try to get this little girl to come and hug me, right? You know, just come here. She's running, clearly, right? So anyways, my brother-in-law sees what's going on, right? And uh, last day, seven, seventh day there, he hands me this little pink bowling ball, right? A little four-pound bowling ball, you know what I mean, right? And he's like, you know those things, right, like this? He's all, if you bowl her a strike, she will love you forever, right? You know? Oh, God, come on, man. Just once in my life, make something easy, right? You know what I mean? Anyways, dude, I throw this thing down, that metal thing, right? I swear before it even hits kids, right? Boom. It just explodes. She's jumping up and down. Uncle Toby, I love you, right? I give her a big old hug, right? Greatest moment of my life, okay? That night, either her mom or her dad puts her to bed, right? And they get to make a decision on which one it is, and they say, Lulu, you want me to put you to bed? She goes, Uncle Toby. I got no idea how to put a little girl to bed, right? But I get some simple instructions, right? And with these simple instructions, I do an all right job. Brush her little teeth, lay her down, right? Give her a kiss, and you're done, right? I'm like, all right, cool, I got this, right? So I brush her little teeth. I lay her in bed, right? And as I lay her in bed, right, I give her a kiss, and I'm walking out the room, right? All of a sudden, she sits up. What's up? Why aren't you doing a prayer? I ain't said a prayer in 10 years, right? I didn't even know the God that I was praying to. And the God that my parents believed in, Jesus Christ, right? I swear I had the biggest resentment for him because I've been beaten in the name of God for most of my life, right? I didn't understand what it talked about in Bill's story where he talked about your own conception of God and that you can actually let it go, right? It talks in the second step about the hoop that you think you have to jump through is a lot bigger than you think it is, right? And so all of a sudden, the concept of God that I had was this big, right? And I was the one determining whether or not I fit and I didn't fit there. 
right? So there was no God that I could believe in. Anyways, I'm about to let this little girl down, right? So I say some little half-assed prayer, right? Dear God, please watch over this little baby bag and protect her. You know what I mean, right? I'm just trying to bail out of there, right? Anyways, I give her a kiss. I lay her back down, right? She's over. Good night, right? I'm walking out the room and whoosh, she says, what now? Right? I go, what now? Right? What you got for me now, right? She aren't you going to sing? What song, right? Angels watching over me. I don't know that song, dude, you know? Right? Twinkle, twinkle, little star. You go, I might be able to do that one. She's working with me, right? You know? Halfway through twinkle, twinkle, little star. My heart is That hardened convict, criminal, liar, cheat, scandalous individual was gone. A loving, caring, compassionate, kind, sensitive individual is what she had left me. I ran downstairs whimpering. My sister came and embraced me, right? And she said, beautiful, huh? Most beautiful thing I've ever seen. At that moment, I realized the man that God always intended me to be. It wasn't this hardened criminal. It was this kind, gentle, compassionate, loving individual. There's so many victories in my life today. On her birthday, I decided to get sober. My sobriety date is 115.15, and for that I'm forever grateful. I can tell you guys that I am now a college graduate, that I made the honor roll at Vanguard University, that I also made the Sigma Beta Delta Honor Society. I had the highest GPA in my cohort, right? My gown was a different color. <laughs> Yeah. That I also own several businesses. That my successes are beyond my wildest dreams. I'm also a motivational speaker at every high school and junior high school here in Orange County. I also speak nationwide to kids on bullying, suicide, lowering your ambitions, drugs, alcohol, vaping, right? I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, right? I help and am available to help Young people struggling with drugs and alcohol. I'm a partner in, a, in a, um, a drug and alcohol treatment center in Huntington Beach, right? My successes are crazy, right? It's wild what we do when we put our minds to it, right? Alcoholics Anonymous set me free. I had no idea that it was going to give me a God in my life that I could draw power from, that I'd be rocked into the fourth dimension of existence, and that I could draw into that power whenever something was too big for me to carry. Right? Life didn't get easy, but it got much better. My challenges today are harder, but I'm equipped to fight them today. I'll end with this. I relate everything to me because most of my life I was a fighter. Right? You wouldn't go into the ring with Chuck Liddell unless we're trained. Why? Because you get knocked up out, right? Guaranteed you get beat up, probably in the hospital, maybe die. Okay? Right? Good chance of that, right? All right, well, why are you going at life without a trainer then? Why are you going at life without a training manual? Why are you headed towards life that's swinging its punches at you all the time without training? Okay? My training manual is the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? My trainer is my sponsor, okay? He teaches me how to duck, dodge, and weave, right? 
God today teaches me how to counterpunch. When life comes a swinging, today I simply ask God for help. True freedom is aligning your will with God's will. I read that over and over and over. Today, I have true freedom. Thank you.